Well, hello, hello again, my lovely friends and listeners. It's me. I'm back. <laughs> uh, it's Natalie, Nat, naturally Ryan, whichever one. You know I go by all three. And today, I'm giving you some updates on the future of the podcast and streaming and all that jazz. But also, we're going to be talking about some heavier topics. Well, I think that I think they sound heavy when I, I say the topic, but it'll end up being a little bit more positive in retrospect. So. Let's start with the updates. Let's start with like all the housekeeping business. I may be cutting down the podcast to making not one episode like every one or two days, but probably closer to an episode a week or two episodes a week because this is definitely going to um, turn into an element of my gap year program that will need to be done on a weekly basis. And it's just a little bit easier for me to... I, I know I'll be able to consistently put out a weekly episode, but putting out a daily episode, mmm, <laughs> that's a little, that's a little rushed, and I don't want to rush this. I want this to be really organic and genuine, and I think that I'll be able to capture that more if I'm not trying to force myself to focus on the productivity of it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually really looking forward to, to making this more of a structured thing and hopefully getting more of an established, like, base not just for myself like like a um like an established fan base like people who come back and listen and to the people who tell me that they listen every episode i love and adore you so very much because like i just feel so honored that you are taking time out of your day to listen to me while you while you hang out like that's that's so cool that is the coolest thing i love the internet i'm very happy today (laughs) um but speaking of happiness that's today's topic we are going to be talking about what it means to be happy and what it means to find happiness and just kind of like that whole thing because I've actually been talking with a lot of people about that recently. There's at least three conversations that I've been keeping with some of my friends where we're talking about like what it means to be happy, especially going into like adulthood. And so I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like it's a very big, um, I feel like it's a very big subject, but I don't think that, I don't think that there's necessarily enough people talking about it. And, um, it's definitely something that you can think about what what happiness is to you as an individual and i feel like that's part of the reason it's not discussed is because it is a very individualistic type of thing thinking about what fulfills you is going to be far different than what fulfills someone else and i think that that makes it very hard to discuss but i also think that that lack of discussion almost in some ways the few people who do talk about it and talk about finding their their purpose and their passion and their happiness can kind of cloud over what other people feel because if we're if we're only listening to a select few voices then it's kind of difficult to realize the sort of diversity that that happiness can have and this is this is also very applicable to my quarantine it's because i go through these periods where i'm very happy and i'm very productive and like i'm so very on top of things and i'm just going and it feels like nothing can take me down and i look at quarantine as like this opportunity to do all of these things that i generally don't have time to do and like i get to be so happy and i get to i get to do whatever i want whenever i want to and that's great that's great when i'm in that moment in that mood but then the next week i can be crying because i haven't seen my friends in almost a year i can be so very upset that I won't be able to go to college in the fall and won't be able to live on campus. Like, I can be so upset that I can't even apply to out-of-state schools because, like, I can't think about that right now when I'm trying to just survive a pandemic. So, this, this extreme swinging from one end to the other of being the most optimistic and happy person to being the most pessimistic and saddest person, first of all, it's very draining. Uh, I don't recommend it. 
but it's just my reality at the moment. And I think that because my definition of happiness is changing on such a, uh, such a, I don't even know how to put this, such a, uh, such a, a fast basis, like it changes so quickly from day to day that it's very difficult to know when I've achieved happiness and to know when like I'm taking care of myself and I'm doing well personally because it just seems it just seems so hard to achieve and to maintain and not only to achieve and maintain but to to keep redefining but not redefine it so drastically that suddenly you don't have any progress towards what you think would make you happy and I think that I think that's that's very difficult I think it's very difficult to keep up that balance. And I think that the fact people don't talk about your definition of happiness can change. I feel like that makes it feel even worse when you're kind of supposed to be looking for a purpose and looking for a passion and looking for what makes you happy. Because if you asked 12 year old me, what would have made me happy? Uh, I would have told you that I wanted to be a professional cosplayer. And if you ask 18 year old me, what would make me happy? I just want to be a recording artist. Like, and it's these things that change your perception of what will make you happy as a future endeavor. But it's also like, it drastically changes what steps you want to take to be happy right now. And that's so hard. That's so weird to think about. <laughs> that's so strange. It's such a foreign concept. Because I think that, especially in American society, we, we've always grown up with this sort of individualistic viewpoint. Like, it was, you pave your way, you, you move out at 18, you go and do this, you go and live your dream, you go and make a million dollars. And there are many countries where having that individualism so heavily ingrained in the culture is not the norm. And a lot of the times, a lot of people derive happiness and meaning and fulfillment from being able to spend time with their families and having multiple members, like multiple generations living under one household. And I remember discussing that in my AP Human Geography classes. We would talk about the, the stark differences between American society and, you know, most other societies. I, I shouldn't even say American society, but a lot, like it's a very westernized ideal to, uh, to be, to have this sort of individualistic viewpoint. And sometimes I wonder what, what is really more fulfilling? Do Americans only think, is it just only a Western viewpoint? Is it only a Western thing to think that being so far removed from your family that you're, you're, you are your own individual, not defined by other people? Is that just, is that genuinely going to bring happiness or is that just something that we've been led to believe because we were raised with it? I think that these really big questions, especially when you look at them in the lens of culture and the context of all of that, it makes it very hard to try and define the answer for yourself. And I remember we would talk about happiness a lot in school. And every time we did, I just felt so unsatisfied. Like I just, I couldn't, like, I couldn't place my finger on it, but I could tell that it just sucked. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of eighth grade and I loved my teachers in eighth grade. Like they were great. However, the, the thing they taught was not very great. We learned about, when we were studying Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, we were talking about Scrooge and how Scrooge wasn't happy. And essentially, our final project was to write an essay, which was a letter to Scrooge, about like, here's how you be happy. And I, I don't know what it was about this assignment. I hated it. I hated every element of it. And I don't use the word hate lightly. Like this is, I, I had a genuine disdain 
for this project because we had to do research on happiness. And from a psychological standpoint, happiness is comprised of many elements. A lot of it, my view of happiness um, always kind of goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs because that was my favorite thing to learn about in psychology, so I'm a little biased. But basically, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it starts with like, you need the basics of like food, water, security to, to start like, food, water, shelter to kind of start yourself out. And then you can build on from there. And then you need like to have self-esteem. You need to, you need to be reassured by others. You need to have fulfilling relationships until you reach the top, which is self-actualization. And that means like you are producing things and doing things that are meaningful to you and your life's purpose. Well, in eighth grade, we, we didn't use Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We didn't get to use that. We used, <laughs> we had like sources that they gave us, which first of all, I already have an issue with that because I want to learn how to research. I don't want to learn you hand me the research and then I'm supposed to read it like no <laughs> I want to find the research and they did that so that they could make sure we cited things correctly so I get that that was like a checkpoint but I was also still still disgruntled <laughs> and all of the things all the research on happiness at the time was talking about like oh make sure you're eating right and exercising well <laughs> and I was like like yes theoretically that that really does help to stabilize your brain and it really does help to to give you endorphins like exercise will release endorphins exercise can definitely um help you and i've noticed in my very anxious or depressive episodes it is really nice to get on a set exercise schedule because then i'm like okay here's a it's a schedule b it's going to give me endorphins it's going to fight off the sad and i understand that and also eating right is like something that you need to do to make sure that your body is getting the nutrients it needs but when i'm at my worst, when I'm at my saddest, I don't want to do either of those things. And that that was why it frustrated me, is I was like, here's the thing, the depression stops you from being able to do these things. And sometimes you can't force yourself past it. You just have to deal and you can't move on. And that's nothing against people who have depression. Like, it's just, that is a reality. Sometimes that there are days where you cannot get out of bed. There are days where you don't have the energy to make yourself food. There are days where you, you stood up and you're like, okay, there's no way I'm doing a jumping jack right now. Like, I'm going, I, this is as much as I can get out of this. And so I was always a little frustrated with that as I was like, the people who are the saddest don't necessarily have that motivation. And it's so strange to think that by just saying, oh, well, if you do this, you'll be not sad. I always felt like that was just kind of a, a cop out in a way. And then later on, like the other research that we were talking about, it was, it was always related back to physical health. And I was like, that's so, like, obviously physical health is super important. And if you're not taking care of your physical health, it will show mentally. And that is something that I can attest to personally, is like the times when I was treating myself the worst physically, I was also not doing too great mentally. And so that's a very uh, symbiotic relationship. Like one of them, if you're taking care of one, it'll probably help you and you'll probably benefit with the other two. <laughs> but if you're not doing that, it can also be very parasitic where it like hurts you back and forth. <laughs> so, um, you know, just keep that in mind. And. I remember like I wrote this paper and I got a B on it and I know that sounds like fine like oh yeah you got a B that's that's good but I was an overachiever and I was like it's not an A and I'm not going to redo it to get an A because I hate this assignment which was a very big thing for me because usually if I got anything less than an A I needed to get it up <laughs> but this this whole thing this whole idea of happiness it wasn't really talking about like 
finding fulfillment. It really wasn't talking about like how to find happiness even when you feel your worst. Like it was not about that. And I think that's why it was so frustrating to me. And obviously for like for kids in that class who didn't grow up with like an anxiety disorder or or depression or any other sort of mental health issue, it's it's way different. And defining happiness is going to be way different. And I think that that has been a huge hindrance to my happiness is for a long time i would always try to compare myself to a lot of kids who didn't have these other hurdles to jump over i would always think like oh well why am i not in 14 different play productions at the same time in three dance companies and then i would realize that it was because a portion of my day also had to be spent making sure i didn't have a panic attack and like self-soothing and making sure that i was okay mentally and i think that it's really wrong to assume that people who who have to deal with all of these issues that generally aren't taken seriously by the public obviously there's a lot of a lot of uh people fighting to break the stigma around mental health now but when i was growing up it wasn't really that way it's really detrimental to people who their biggest achievement can be like cooking food for themselves at home because they haven't done that all week or their biggest achievement can be responding to a friend's message and not forgetting to because they've been you know sad and and trying to shut themselves out from the world like when those are your biggest achievements it can make you feel really awful when you realize that other people are doing a lot of other stuff that you just may not have the emotional capacity or like the emotional the emotional currency like you don't have parts of yourself to give to that and I don't think I realize that sometimes happiness stems from not having that emotional currency to give out. Because for a long time, if I ever broke up with someone, I'd always be like, oh, I need to forgive them and we need to work to be friends again. Because like we just have to make it happen. Um, but I then realized that it is not in fact that way. And I realized that when I cut a very, very toxic relationship off. And after that, I was like, even though people were like, oh, well, you can be friends in the future. Uh, and I wanted that in the moment when we first broke up because I felt so guilty about it because this person had basically made me believe that everything had been my fault and, and preyed upon the fact that I was always very anxious. Um, when I realized that people, people thought we were going to repair things. And then I just said, stop, I'm not going to look at these outside opinions. I'm not going to look at what they're saying and, and think that it's going to help me. I just stopped and I took a step back and I was like, I, I evaluated my life. And I was like, there is not a place for this person anymore. And I don't think there ever will be. I have spent all my emotional currency trying to help this person, trying to make this person happy. And not, not only have I overspent myself, but I will never be able to find that in in my budget for myself again. I'll never be able to find that space. And so happiness in that moment was defined as taking everything I had spent on this person and then spending it on myself. And obviously that's a very metaphorical thing, like I wasn't physically spending money, but... But I was spending time taking care of myself and trying to figure out myself as opposed to trying to figure out this other person and adjusting myself to them. Sometimes happiness 
can be defined by the little victories, and I honestly think it's way more fulfilling when it is. Like, when I got my first thousand dollars saved up of my own money from my, my job right now for college, like, that was a... Uh, in, in comparison to everything I'll have to spend on my degree, like, that's not very much, but that was a big deal for me, because that's more money I've ever had at my disposal, it, than, like, right now, than in my life. That was, that was such a monumental thing for me. And that was what I was basing being happy upon. I could look at that and say, like, wow, I did this, this was an achievement. And it was, it wasn't because, like, I had money or I had material items, it was because I could look at myself and say, like, I had the willpower and the planning and the 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 motivation to make things easier on myself in the long run and basing my happiness on those smaller victories has definitely been more of a payoff because i can find something to be happy about in each day like if my room's messy and i happen to get my laundry done and like wash my sheets like wow am i look at me i'm conquering the world I've also noticed that happiness is a lot about how you talk about yourself, not just in your head. Like, if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts, then obviously you're not going to be the happiest person. But I mean physically speaking aloud. Because, again, let's go back to 12-year-old me. She was really going through it, let me tell you. Poor kid. Poor kid was having a, a really hard time. Um, I didn't like myself very much when I was 12. And a lot of it came down to, like, I didn't like the way my body looked, I didn't like the way that I felt, like, I was trying to figure out my identity, my sexuality, like, I was, I was struggling with so much. And when I was 12, in my head, I would constantly be planning to make a self-deprecating joke. Like, someone would be like, oh, that's so stupid, and I'd be like, oh, me too, we're twins, like... I would always be rushing to make fun of myself, because if I made fun of myself, that meant that no one else could do it either. Because... If no one could hate me more than I already hated me, then nothing they said or did or the way that they looked at me and what I wore would, would affect me. And that's not a happy way to live. Um, but at the time, it was more of a self-defense thing because it was like, if people are already going to call me these awful names, if people are already going to stare at me, if people are already going to avoid me, I may as well try to make them laugh. And the expense of that was my self-esteem and my self-worth. And then I kind of realized, like, I was probably closer to 14 or 15 when I realized this. I was like, hang on. <laughs> hang on, hang on. <laughs> if you are always making these jokes, it's going to make other people think that it's okay for them to make the jokes. And I noticed that when people in friend groups would start making jokes about me like that. And I realized that it hurt so deeply, like, cut me to the core so badly that I didn't want to talk to them. And I was like, I need to, if I want to expect other people to treat me well, I have to be able to treat me well first. And so I changed the, um, I changed the self-deprecating thoughts and the self-deprecating jokes to ones that were equally as funny. But it was like the over-glorification of myself. Like if I would fall on stage during rehearsal, I would go, I'm the epitome of beauty and grace. And people would laugh because like I just did something clumsy, but guess what? I'm still a goddess. Like it was still funny. It was just funny in a way that didn't hurt me. <laughs> it was funny in a way where I didn't have to risk my own like heart and, and life and like my own my own mental well-being to to be funny and to be noticed and to say those sorts of things. And when, when I started joking like that, I did notice that people usually said fewer things about me that were like negative and, and hurtful, even if they didn't intend it to be hurtful. They just said fewer things that really got through to me. And part of that can be attributed to the way that I spoke, but part of it can also be attributed to the fact that like, I was kind of faking this confidence on the inside. And from there, it slowly, it was very difficult in the beginning. And some days it's still really difficult. 
it's still very much a defense mechanism I use to take care of myself, but it can be it can be really hard making sure that I I don't just tear myself down. And like the sense of the sense of happiness that I feel that I can be comfortable in who I am. Even if I don't necessarily like everything about me, I can accept everything about me and say, okay, this is something I need to change or this is something I need to work on actually liking. I feel like people always expect you to make really big jumps in terms of happiness and self-love. They make you think like, oh, 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 you're gonna, you're gonna hop from one extreme to the other. You're gonna hate yourself and then the next day you're gonna love yourself because you said some affirmations in the mirror and it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that at all. And I think that for people who don't understand what it means to have mental health issues or like what it means to to go through anxious or depressive episodes, it's really, really hard for them to understand what it means for someone to to be working on loving themselves in this way. Especially if you're coming from a place like me, where like you grew up with with your um, with your diagnosis, or like you remember recognizing signs of it when you were really young, and you're like, oh no, um, knowing that you always have a couple more elements to who you are that other people don't have, and those things can be very, very heavy burdens at times. Knowing that it can make loving yourself really hard because you kind of feel broken because you look around and you, you don't see other people talking about what you feel or understanding what you feel and you're like, is this even right? So I feel like a lot of unhappiness stems from that sort of self self uh, deprecation and like self-doubt. <laughs> and a, a lot of that is really hard to overcome. But it takes a lot of internal work to make the external show. And that's not convenient always, and it's not easy. It's never going to be easy, and that's that's the worst part about it, is if it was just as easy as flipping a switch and saying, okay, I like myself now, it would be so much nicer, um, and it wouldn't have taken me years and years to get to where I am. But it, it has, and that's just something that a lot of us who go through this have to accept, is that it will take a long time, and there will be days, even years down the road, where you you will still suffer. And you will still have days where, like, you don't feel like you can keep up with it. But, and this is the most important thing, but, um, being kind to yourself and, and trying to stay on that, on that work, on that, on that forward momentum is so important. Like, giving up is not the answer, because if you, if you give up, that means that, like, it means you're gonna have to start all over again. And I think that was the thing that kept me going, was knowing that if I stopped now, I'd have to start all over again. Because even the smallest bit of progress forward is one step that you're closer to in comparison to where you were yesterday. And every single step counted. That was the biggest thing I had to learn, is that there were no, there like, just because I made 10 miles of progress in one day didn't mean that the next day when I could only do a mile was anything less than that. Because now, if you look back on it, I've moved 11 miles. And if I had stopped at 10, there would be another mile that I'd be dreading. I don't know, I just, I felt really, I felt really in the mood to ramble about being happy and what that happiness means to me. So here we are. <laughs> 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I may... I don't know, I'm hoping to... I'm hoping to get a consistent once-a-week schedule. I hope that people like that. I hope that that kind of, uh, makes these things a little bit easier to deal with. Because when I was uploading, like, once a day... Oof, that was that was taking a lot on me and my and my computer, so we're gonna calm that down. Um, anyway, if you are one of my friends who has not seen me in real life for a while, uh, know that I love you and I miss you. If you're one of my friends who lives in a different time zone, guess what? I still love you, and even if I haven't met you yet, you're still like, you're still you're still an MVP. <laughs> and if you happen to be a random person who is just listening in, you know, I love you too. You're you're great. You're you're taking a chance on a little unknown podcast, so like that's cool. <laughs> anyway, I hope that all of you can stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and continue on that forward momentum that 2021 has hopefully given you. And I will catch you in the next episode.